Hi folks, I'm Alan Waters, who's cutting through the matrix on the 25th of January 2011. I always start off this show by talking to the newcomers, and as people come in all the time, it's amazing how many years you can be on, and eventually it filters all around the place, but a lot of folk haven't heard yet. But they come in all the time, so I suggest you go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com and help yourself to the hundreds of audios that you can download for free. Uh, and... Um, I try and give you the big picture of the system in which you live, and which is vastly different from the one that you've imagined or the one that you've been indoctrinated to believe exists or the one that you even think exists when you start to wake up. It's beyond all of that even. So I give you lots of clues, and um, I show you how this system is truly a system, an orchestrated system, which uh, plans the world in advance. And... um, there's lots of proof for it. There's proofs everywhere. In fact, they have their own sites up at the big foundations, etc., and the associations and all that kind of stuff. At the top, they don't have gangs. They don't call themselves gangs. They have foundations and associations and clubs and things like that. And that's how the world is really, really run by the big boys with the big money. And why should they give it up? They have um, their plans for a future where their offspring can go off into the sunset forever and ever and new days and new sunsets all the time, and that's what this is about. In fact, a lot of this stuff is even taught in university now, especially in the philosophy classes and under the the guise of ethics and bioethics and so on, how to control a world population, how to use the population for economic purposes, and then also how to literally bring it down, and then who's responsible. They even debate who's responsible for, for if they had a potential culling of the public. All major universities have these courses. Quite something. But the media doesn't mention it, so as I say, help yourself. Remember, too, you're the audience. uh, They bring me to you so you can get these free audios. And uh, remember that you can buy books and discs and so on that I sell on the site. That makes me just about tick over and cling on with my fingertips tips to um, the system here and what I'm doing on this show because it's a hard slog, believe you me, and it's not something I would wish on anybody. And um, as I say, it's not even a vocation. It's beyond all that. It's something that has to be done because I'm just so fed up of being conned and watching the world being conned over and over that um, something has to be done. Now, from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to purchase, remember you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office or cash, uh, and you can mail it off. Or you can use PayPal. Uh, you'll see the donation button at cuttingthroughmedias.com. Just uh, uh, send a donation and then follow it up by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it to you. It's the same across the rest of the world. Um, you've got the options. and uh, You can't use personal checks outside the Americas, but you can use Western Union for direct wire transfer. You can use PayPal again for ordering. And... Um, Remember, too, that uh, donations would be appreciated, believe you me. It's the same few folks since I started who tend to send in uh, the pennies once in a while. 
and most folk today really expect everything for free. And if you do, you believe you me, you'll be supplied with lots and lots of free stuff by the very people that you think you, you want to change because the boys at the top don't miss a thing. And before they even gave you the nets, they talked about information warfare. It was all over the newspapers before most folk even knew what a computer was, except massive machines with tapes in them. Uh, they already talked about information warfares and how they'd control it. How do you control it? You make sure that you have the biggest sites out there once you come out. And they always give us, you know, our, our top leaders. That's what's always been done. For every group that you want to belong to, there's always a leader supplied for you. That's how you don't lose control when you run the big world system. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and cutting through the matrix because it is a matrix we live in indeed. Uh, there's so much. That's a tremendous science set up long before you were born. Uh, and you understand that, that governmental control of populations is ancient. Ancient. The Egyptians did it. And before the Egyptians, no doubt many, many other civilizations did it too. They're always digging up new civilizations or older civilizations. And there's always a hierarchy who live off the rest of the public. And nothing has really changed except today the techniques are encrypted. There are sciences which are explained and taught to the right people. And uh, they have no problem in altering our opinions about things, um, even giving us our opinions about things is very common. And the media is an essential arm of governments, really, and governmental control. So uh, they can make us believe anything they want to, but the same media never go into the big organizations above themselves, above government, the organizations like the foundations, like all the non-governmental organizations, how much money they get, the training they get, what they're, what they're told to push for next after they've won the last lot for whatever it is they're pushing for. And they never ever touch on this parallel government that Professor Carl Quigley did touch upon in his own books. Um, Tragedy and Hope, and then the other one, which is a must-read, called the Anglo-American Establishment, because that's how the world is really run. And the big bankers who set up the foundations to begin with um, also really run the NGOs. And NGOs are quite simple to run because most folk, as I say, want to join a group. Uh, whatever your, your particular thing is, you'll join your particular group. And the big boys supply the leaders. Only the leaders know where it's supposed to go. The followers are, are given a PR uh, stuff uh, to, to follow. It, it tickles their emotions. They think they're fighting for something wonderful and all that. But in reality, only the leaders know where it's supposed to go. It's the same uh, techniques, of course, that was used in, in communism. Because in communism, to the top... Uh, cells knew the whole, the, bet, the real agenda that they were to be involved with, while the masses were not to be even told. Their followers of the masses were not to be even told what was going on. And Rosa Luxemburg, you know, talked about that too. She tried the revolution in Germany. So, 
it's it's amazing uh, how, that the techniques never change. But then again, you know, in ancient times in Greece, they said the same things. Plato said it: if something worked before in history on the public and with the public, if if you reintroduce it with the same formula, the same sequence of events, the public will do the same or behave the same way again. So again, it's behaviorism. They call it today in psychology. And, of course, it's a perfected science. But we are given a reality. Uh, most of the time we're entertained to keep us away from any reality. And even the entertainment is embedded with the upcoming new realities that is going to be pumped into you down the road. It's called predictive programming. So you've got to be very careful what you allow into your mind and into your brain because you are under attack, whether you know it or not. Now... The media again, uh, this wonderful, you know, um, free media that has, it's not biased, of course, um, is so quick to label anybody who even does their job, the, the job that the media doesn't do, which is inquiry into things. And this article here is about just one of these events. It says, a UN human rights official has been roundly condemned for suggesting that the U.S. government may have orchestrated the September 11 terrorist attacks. Now, when you read the article here, I don't think he actually said that at all. He just says that there's a lot of questions that were not answered and so on. But he says, it says that Richard Falk, uh, a retired professor from Princeton University, wrote on his blog that there had been an apparent cover-up by American authorities. He added that most media were unwilling to acknowledge the well-evidenced doubts about the official version of the events on 9-11, despite it containing gaps and contradictions. And he described David Ray Griffin. I, can, I like how they put it. See, here's how they do it, too. A conspiracy theorist, that's like senior Nazi anti-Semite or something. It's a label. It's a label right away. Like that's your hobby or something, you know. Highly regarded in, this, in the here again so-called 9/11 truth movement as a scholar of high integrity whose book on the subject was authoritative in quotation marks. Ban Ki Moon, the UN Secretary General, described the comments as preposterous and an affront to the memory of the more than 3,000 people who died in the attack. The usual stuff. Here's the president, uh, you know, Secretary the General of the UN, the guy who told us the glaciers were melting and would be all underwater shortly. I mean, that was years ago. But I mean, these, and yet here they are attacking someone else's opinion. Anyway, Mr. Ban said that it was not for him to decide whether Professor Falk, who serves the organization as a special investigator into human rights abuses in the Palestinian territories, should be fired by the UN. And uh, it goes on and on and on. Anyway, it says, um, the route came as a um, Republican-led U.S. Congress open inquiry into urgent problems with America's contribution to the U.N. and so on. That's how it all started up. And then, of course, out came all of this stuff about conspiracy and so on and what really happened in 9-11. But I'm not going to touch the official version. It's chiseled in stone. And like all history always is by the, the victor, the, the ruling ones, and nothing will change. And that's what children will be taught down the road. Not that they'll care much. But that's how your mind is, is played with every day. Uh, it's by the, the way they word things. Um, uh, they can vilify someone so easily without being terribly nasty about it. Very blatant, but it's, uh, it's psychology again. And um, the media is not your friend. It never has been your friend. Now, Newt Gingrich, of course, who's always busy doing things behind the scenes, um, who also was the, the chairman, just to, to kick off the first uh, 
science, international science talks at um, the University of Louisiana uh, um, to do with the brain chip, basically. Uh, and who was all for this? He's for, all for transhumanism, etc. He's all for the greening revolution and all the rest of it. He's he's um, he's he's back in the news again. Legislation that will allow U.S. states to file for bankruptcy will likely be introduced in Congress within the next month. It says here. Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives and a powerful Republican Party figure, told Reuters on Friday, although Gingrich, considered responsible for the Republican Revolution of the 90s, is no longer in office, he's deep ties to Congress. Of course they are, because they're never really out of it. And is frequently named as potential presidential contender in 2012. Hmm. For months he's championed... uh, letting states file for bankruptcy in order to handle their long-term budget problems despite resistance from states and investors in the $2.8 trillion municipal bond market. He says, we're faced with the danger that the states are going to try to show up and say to Washington, uh, you have to give us money, Gingrich said, and I think we have to have, have an alternative that allows us to say no. So I'll put this link up too, and you can go through all the rest of the pablum because that's all it is really. As more pablum. It actually mentions in here that the states are really sovereign, and I thought, well, I've never seen any anything like that uh, since I've been watching the states my whole life, especially uh, to do with uh, anti-terrorism bills and all the rest of it. Uh, just a federal walkover, as far as I could see. But it actually mentions here that, that it's almost impossible for a state to go bankrupt because it's written into them somewhere in some charter, goodness knows where, that they can't really be held responsible, etc. I just don't understand it. But anyway, the, the, this is the bill so they can actually go ahead if they want to and declare they're bankrupt. And maybe they could sell themselves off to China like the nation's already done with everybody anyway, so what does it matter? And this article here to do with... Um, uh, J.P. Morgan, interesting group, this J.P. Morgan group, and, and again the foundations that they have and all the rest of it. I'm going to put this link up too. This is um, food stamps as a J.P. Morgan growth industry. It's only one thing that they're into. Anywhere where there's misery and suffering, the bankers are in there uh, to help you understand, to make sure that they, you use uh, their organizations to create more compound interest. Anyway, it says um, in this article, um, there are just some things that are as a little too creepy to be outsourced to private corporations. The J.P. Morgan executive in the interview below does his best to put a positive spin on all this, but it just seems really unsavory for a big Wall Street bank to be making so much money off of the suffering of tens of millions of Americans. Well, when has it ever been unsavory for banks to make money off the sufferings of tens of millions of Americans? I've, no, I've never seen that anywhere. There's no problem kicking off their houses and all the rest of it. I say, so if unemployment goes down, uh, will this ruin J.P. Morgan's food stamp business and so on? But they're all into other things too. I don't know if you know that, that they're into a whole bunch of things. Um, it turns out J.P. Morgan also provides child support debit cards in the 15 U.S. states that they also provide unemployment insurance benefit debit cards in seven states. Uh, there's, there's great money in misery, folks. There's some tremendous money in misery, especially with the right contacts in government to make sure you get the contracts for what you want, you know. And you can give a bribe without it being so blatantly a bribe. You're, you're genteel in the way that you speak and the way that you put it across, you know. And you belong in the right clubs, of course. But that's just the way it really is in the real world. Now, 
I'm, I'm surprised, not surprised at all actually with the Greenies. I mean, what you must do when you want big change is, as I say, the, the, big, the big boys that run the foundations create a movement, uh, a non-governmental organization, and then they fund them heavily, and, and, they, and they train they train the heads. In fact, they put the heads in to lead these NGOs. And all the followers come in, all the, all the ones that really believe in the little furry animals and stuff like that. And, uh, and other ones come in too, are really just fanatics and they want something to, to, to bash, you know, the big demonstrations and, because they really hate humanity. And that's a fact. There are lots out there who just hate humanity. And, um, it seems now they're really praising Genghis Khan. No kidding, for those who can remember who Genghis Khan is. But uh, I think they made him their patron saint because it killed so many folk, it says here. And it's a major mainstream again, media. Uh, uh, it killed so many people that carbon levels plummeted. No kidding you. This is, the le- this is the lens they're going to to try and validate their nonsense. But I'll read this when I get back from this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and as I say this article on Genghis Khan and the Greenies is astonishing because I had to really do a double take and see if it was April Fool's Day because that's the sort of thing you expect when you see this. But then again, there are fanatics out there as I say, lots of fanatics and I've read all the articles even from the main sites themselves, the foundations, the NGOs, all into this stuff. And they've been quite blatant about the fact that they terrify the public and, and lie to them and so on to get what they want. And what they want really is really a vastly reduced population, etc. And as I say, they've made, I think, Genghis Khan their patron saint. Anyway, it says here, um, Genghis Khan leader, he, he killed so many people that carbon levels plummeted. Well, the levels plummeted, no kidding you. Uh, they just know this because they've got a time machine. Anyway, it says uh, Genghis Khan's bloody conquest scrubbed 700 million tons of carbon. Uh, the exact figure, right? Uh, from the atmosphere as depopulated land returned to forest. He's been branded the, great, the greenest invader in history. He's the greenest invader in history. After his murderous conquest killed so many people, the huge swaths of cultivated land returned, as I say, to the forest. The Mongol leader who established a vast empire between the 13th and 14th centuries helped remove nearly 700 million tons of the carbon, claims a new study. The deaths of 40 million people meant that large areas of cultivated land grew thick once again with trees which absorbed carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, except for Canadian trees, I'll add to that, because the UN said that Canada's got bad trees. We thought we'd get one of these discounts with the carbon sinks and all that, but no, we've got bad trees now. When they want cash, it's suddenly it's bad trees. And although his methods may be difficult for environmentalists to accept, I don't think so. Ecologists believe it may be the first ever cause of or case of successful man-made global cooling. So there you go. Uh, Genghis Khan is a, was a greenie. I understood too. We got his slaves to build, you know, the little huts and that, and the, 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 the mud wattle stuff for the peasants and covered it with moss and green stuff like that. Well, he, of course, had big castles and palaces. Because you see, when you live at that level and you've got, you're dealing with important people, you've got to have big places to entertain them. And, um, of course, these uh, greenies all don't see themselves as the ordinary people who are going to get slaughtered. They always see themselves somehow as the managerial class 
uh, and it never never quite gets gets to their brain somehow that if there's no people around anymore down below them, uh, well, who are they managing and who would need them as a managerial class? Yeah, yeah, they don't think too far. Now, I've mentioned before about Canada and the British Empire, which still exists, actually. Uh, and generally, actually, the whole world's a British Empire now, since the whole plan for globalism was born in London and worked from London and still is. Anyway, uh, if you live in these, these places, your only rights when it comes to being attacked by someone uh, who wants to kill you is to dutifully do nothing and die peacefully. Uh, that's really what it's all about in Canada. If you defend yourself in any way, you really are risking uh, to spend the rest of your life in prison. Man faces jail after protecting his home from masked attackers, it says here. National Post. Ian Thompson moved to a rural homestead in southwestern Ontario to lead a quiet life in investigating or investing in a little fixer upper. That means you're at the bottom level, you know. Then his neighbor's chickens began showing up on his property. He warned his neighbor, then killed one of the birds. Vincent began six years of trouble for Mr. Thompson that culminated early one Sunday morning last August when the 53-year-old former mobile crane operator woke up to the sound of three masked men firebombing his Port Colborne, Ontario home. They were using Molotov cocktails, which is gasoline and, you know, and bottles with lit ends on the end of it. He said, I was horrified. He said, I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what was happening. I had no idea what was going on. So try to burn them down. I no doubt he'd have been burned to death, too, if he just hadn't woken up. He exited his home and fired his revolver because he, he, he had uh, he's a former farmer, arms instructor, and he had uh, his permits and all the rest of it and his gun safes, etc., and all the, the different courses that you have to have in Canada. But he grabbed one of his Smith & Wessons from the safe, loaded it and headed outside, dressed only in his, in his underwear, and he fired the revolver two or maybe three times uh, didn't hit anybody, I don't think he was trying to Then the firebombing culprits ran off Said his lawyer Edward Burlew And uh, it says His surveillance cameras caught the attackers Lobbing at least six Molotov cocktails at his house And bombing his doghouse uh, Singeing one of his Siberian huskies Burning it But when Mr Thompson handed the video footage to Niagara Regional Police He found himself charged with care, careless use of a firearm Here you are going to get burned to the, to the ground uh, And burned to death And um, uh, what would be a natural response in any era except today's um, is, is, is taboo I said, well I should have died You know, he should just have thrown his hands up You know, and been a good citizen And got burned to death Anyway, it says the local Crown Attorney's Office later laid a charge of pointing a firearm along with two counts of careless storage of a firearm. The Crown has recommended Mr. Thompson go to jail, his lawyer said. You know, it's that they say the Crown has recommended. Do you understand? You don't have democracy. Yeah? You don't have democracy. The Crown is Her Majesty's jails and so on, and Her Majesty's courts and Her Majesty's everything. His collection of seven guns, five pistols, and two rifles were seized along with his firearms license. Mr. Thompson said he lives in fear that his attackers were returned and has taken to arming himself with a fire extinguisher. I don't have enemies, he says. And he's now, of course, doing geosciences full-time at Brock University after being injured in a workplace accident. And um, he said, I don't know that many people. I'm a quiet man. I just want to go back to my life and be able to live out my days in relative peace. So, uh, you know, there you go. That's, that's not, and there was another couple of guys in, out the East Coast that happened to a few months ago too, 
who did the same kind of thing. Uh, they got out together when it was vandals going through the whole street, apparently, and uh, they ended up in the, in the hot water as well. You cannot take, uh, you cannot defend yourself. It's called taking the law into your own hands. Wait and be dutifully murdered. Back with this more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Canada is very, uh, it's a very docile country, normally, and um, people go along with authority of all kinds in their everyday life, uh, kind of dutifully. And they're so well-trained. If you do stand in a, a checkout counter in, a, in any store without there's a long queue, and there's maybe five empty um, checkouts that, where there's nobody serving, and you complain about it, the rest of them will turn round at you as though you'd just, you know, cause a disturbance. They're so well-trained, you couldn't want better citizenry for obedience to authority. And I've mentioned that book before, it's called Obedience to Authority. It's worth getting a hold of because it shows you the psychology behind it and how you're trained and so on and how you react. But um, they're so compliant in Canada, they often don't have to pass laws at all. Uh, they, they simply be an old boys network at the top. Uh, they can simply call up their buddies in different uh, CEO positions and get them to go along with basically terrorism acts and so on and stuff like that. Here's an article, well, it's actually from Wiki, in fact. Modern, Modernization of Investigative Techniques Act, this is called. This is, this, is to, this is basically so they could monitor everyone's phone calls and uh, webs and all the rest of it. Listen to this. Um, it says it was a proposed federal statute governing lawful access so the, what, you, what they mean by that is lawful means that they can snoop on you as long as they make it law. And that's okay then. There's no, there's no morality or ethics involved in this. It's just what do we want to do? Let's okay pass a law. Now it's lawful. The act first requires telephone and internet service providers to include an interception capability as they introduce new technologies. By the way, back in 95, uh, Canada and the U.S. signed an agreement that all technologies being imported into the country or made in the countries for, that are for communication, including your fax machines, everything, had to have chips in them and, and codes so that uh, the agencies could uh, basically get into them if they want to, all government agencies. And that's been the law since 1995. Anyway, it says, and second, allows law enforcement to compel the, the Internet service providers to disclose subscriber information without a warrant, right? And then it says, concerns raised include creation of new surveillance powers while reducing the level of privacy protection and oversight associated with that surveillance, increased burden to the ISPs who be required to retain data for significant periods of time. Now listen to this, this, this particular act. So it says, MITA, they called it. They're not even as good as the states. And the states, they'd have put an R on the end. You could use, use royal, you see, and say mitre. And it sounds more flashy, like a mitre. Anyway, it says, was not passed into law as Parliament was dissolved before the bill's final, final reading. Anticipating passing of the bill, however, ISPs such as Bell Simpatico and many, most of the other ones, all of the other ones did the same thing, have modified their various policies and agreements to contain language to the effect that they may monitor, investigate, and disclose information to satisfy laws, regulations, or government requests. 
In February of 2009, Liberal MP Marlene Jennings introduced a private member's bill by the same name. So you don't even have to make it law here. You, you just get the people to comply and, okay, that's no problem at all. And, and away you go. That's, that's, you see, that's what they mean by Canada also being a kind of model state for the world. There's very lawful, obedient people in Canada. And all they care about, apparently, is, is drinking lots of booze, because that's the most frequent uh, ad you'll see on television, and, and partying, and, and uh, just rummaging rumbling around in the snow and having a good time and stuff like that. So that's, the, that's really Canada for you. But I was shocked myself to see how, how docile they are and how little they complain about anything. It's, it's really astonishing. Now, <laughs> you know, the only thing that could stop this new world order, and even then I don't know, it depends on the banks that they keep churning out little blips on computer screens they call money to keep up with it instead of just churning out the paper. The only thing that bringing this, this world system down is massive corruption, and it's all over the place, this massive corruption at the top. Globalism is good. Uh, for the economy of those at the top. They just rake the cash in with their cons and so on. Tonight, I'm also going to put up, by the way, a link to a Dutch um, uh, accountant, I think it was, speaking at the, the Parliament of Europe in the parliamentary building for the, this, this great money pit, this black hole that sucks in the cash uh, and the life from the people in Europe. And she speaks about the corruption in Side the EU because there's no accountability to where all the billions go. It's just and they want more and more and more, you know, all the time. And she speaks up about this. And if you follow at the bottom after you've, you've watched this little two-minute clip or whatever, you'll you'll see uh, a bunch of other um, talks and things that she brought up in parliaments. And she really goes right. And she even said they should be ashamed of collecting their, their. They gave themselves a pay raise after putting up the the fees for every country to give to them by a massive amount and give themselves all a pay raise, etc. She says she should all be ashamed of herself, of themselves, as she said. Anyway, not that it will change anything, but corruption might just bring this whole thing down. I mean, that's the only hope we have is just to get more corrupt and, and, and get away with more and more and more. It's becoming incredibly corrupt until it doesn't function anymore. You know? Anyway, the National Health Service system is wonderful for con men and artists and old boys and old boy network where they can, they can pull so many scams because there's so little checking on where the cash goes. It says, now the National Health Service will pay £1,000 for a bottle of salt water as a medicine, right? As long as it's classed as a medicine, you can get £1,000 for that. There's a good business for anybody you want to go into. Right? It says, um, last week we revealed that the National Health Service is being charged £175 for, say, a paracetamol, a pill. But as this investigative investigation shows, that's just the tip of the iceberg. A pharmacist was shocked to discover an invoice for salt water um, uh, for charging, charged for £570. He's been told it will soon be £1,000. It says that thousands of patients who have difficulty swallowing pills find taking medicine in this form difficult, if not impossible, so they get liquid often. As a result, these patients are prescribed their medication in liquid state, so few of them would realize medicine suppliers are profiteering from their frailty. Well, they should know that anyway. It says, last week, Henrietta Spink wrote in the mail about her shock on discovering that the liquid paracetamol prescribed to her son cost the National Health Service a staggering £175 for just 500 mils. 
She says, if I crushed up painkillers in a spoonful of jam, for example, as I normally do, it would have cost less than one pound. But her experience is just the tip of the iceberg. As you have discovered that suppliers are charging exorbitant rates for a range of drugs and some chemists are colluding with them and getting kickbacks in return. This means that the National Health Service is being ripped off for millions of pounds at a time when it needs to watch every penny. The drugs in question are called specials, medicines not routinely produced by manufacturers. Examples of specials include child versions of adult medicine that contain smaller quantities of the active drug or, or the most common form of special, which is liquid states of medicine needed for patients who can't swallow tablets. It wasn't long ago that specials were made up by pharmacists, and that's true. They made up the stuff right in the pharmacy, and it was really pretty cheap. But now, partly a result of the EU's, the, again, this EU parliament, you know, uh, who's in bed with the big pharma boys, safety regulations, eh? Safety regulations. They are put together by drug suppliers. The average difference in cost between a standard pill version and a special order is £188, according to the National Health Service report. But sometimes the difference can be up to thousands of pounds. One of the most popular specials is a liquid form of simvastin, a simvastatin, a drug to lower cholesterol. The National Health Service spent more than three million pounds in around 14,000 liquid formulations of this 2000 in 2009 at a cost of 208 pounds each. The equivalent amount in pill form would cost one pound and 12 pennies. It says, but there are other more shocking price differences. I couldn't believe an invoice I recently discovered, one London-based pharmacist told us. He says it was for a supply of sodium chloride, that's the salt water, basically to treat a child with hormone problems. The charge was £570. I've been told it would be up to £1,000. The ingredients would have cost just pennies. So uh, it's just amazing, as I say, how how the racket goes on, the racket goes on, you know. And you know something else, too? As everyone gets more and more afraid and economies up and down like a yo-yo and they get all these articles on the on and media about, oh, my God, are we crashing or what? Uh, everybody gets incredibly greedy. It kicks in survival. And, and these characters here just start just tacking on incredible amounts for medications. It's all part, it's all connected, you understand, to the system in which we live, which is, of course, not to benefit you. And, as I say, it's just, it's fantastic how things really, really work out. And another article here I've got to put out too is to do with the measles, mumps and rubella. Now, a massive world campaign was funded by the big pharma industry to vilify the doctors who, the very few doctors who came out and says there's a link to autism with these injections, the ones they always give you when the child's getting to say dada, mama, and two weeks later he's, he can't see anything. And, and of course, it's just a coincidence that this is a normal pattern for modern autism. Uh, old autism, you see, you could see it was something wrong from birth on. Now it starts right after the jab. But anyway, new American research shows that there could be a link between the controversial MMR triple vaccine and autism and bowel disease in children. See, this particular darned vaccine uh, will puts the the, the, um, uh, the the problem in different parts of the body, depending on your physiology. 
your particular physiology. It can affect your brain. Most of them go to the brain, cause fever in the brain. It's quite interesting because when the brain's with fever, like anywhere else where there's fever, there's inflammation and cells die off. So maybe that would be helpful for a peaceful docile population. But anyway, it can also go to the bowel in other children too and, and go into other areas affecting glands where they get allergies. The study appears to confirm the findings of British doctor Andrew Wakefield. He, he was in the paper not two months ago where they were ridiculing him and ridiculing him, and, and I don't even know if they disbarred him or what, who caused a storm in 1998 by suggesting a possible link. Now a team from the Wake Forest University School of Medicine in North Carolina are examining 275 children with regressive autism and bowel disease, very commonly both together. And of the 82 tested so far, 70 proved positive for the measles virus. Now they can tell it's not normally, it's the, not the normal measles virus, it's the lab virus that's made for the vaccine. Last night, the team's leader, Dr. Stephen Walker, said of the handful of results we have in so far, all are vaccine strain. These viruses are vaccine strain created by the lab and are none, um, and, and none are wild measles. So it's not the ones that occur in nature. This research proves that in the gastrointestinal tract of a number of children who have been diagnosed with regressive autism, there is evidence of measles virus. I've been saying that for years. What it means is that the, the study done earlier by Dr. Wakefield and published in 1998 is correct. That study didn't draw any conclusions about specifically what it means to find measles virus in the gut, but the implication is that it may be coming from the MMR vaccine. Well, if it's, vac- it's lab-created, I'd imagine, well, yeah, well, two and two weeks equals what. If that's the case, and this live virus is residing in the gastrointestinal tract of some children, and then they have a GI inflammation and other problems, it may be related to the MMR. Uh, the 1998 study by Dr. Wakefield, the, 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 then a, uh, a leader in gastroenterology at the Royal Free Hospital in North London, and 12 other doctors claimed to have found a new bowel disease, autism, enterocolitis, it was called. At the time, Dr. Wakefield said that although they had not proven a link between MR, measles, mumps, and, and rubella, and autism, there was cause for concern that the government should offer the option single vaccines, vaccines getting them apart, and so on instead of only MMRs, the triple dose, until more research had been done. The paper and the confused interpretation of its findings caused uproar and led to many parents withdrawing their cooperation for the triple jab. And then the government, of course, kicked in millions of pounds to put out propaganda and PR spin to to vilify these people and to tell the the people it's okay to get uh, the autism shots. Ten of the paper's authors also signed uh, re- retractions on the interpretation because they were going to lose their licenses. They were told they'd lose their licenses if they stuck by their findings. But they stood by the science. This is the second independent study to back up Dr. Wakefield. In 2001, John O'Leary, professor of pathology at St. James Hospital in Trinity College, Dublin, replicated his findings. Last night, Dr. Wakefield said this new study confirms that we found in British children again with Professor O'Leary the only exposure these children have had to measles is through the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. Never had the disease. It's only through the vaccine. They were developing normally until they regress. As I say, they'll go, they'll go through the milestones, they call them milestones when you're learning, and they're, they're interested in what's going on around them. They recognize people, look you in the eye, and as I say, they, they use their, their, the little words to start to use, and within a week or so after the shots, they're just like zombies for a while. It says, um, they were developing normal until they regressed. They now suffer autism and bowel disease. The department, remember too, you can get the bowel disease separate from the autism. 
and lots of folk have since about the, they started all these massive injections. Uh, they've grown up with incredible bowel problems. The Department of Health and some of the media wanted to dismiss our research as insignificant. The excuse was that no one else had the same findings as us. And what they didn't see is that no one else had looked. See, the big boys who want to keep their licenses don't go into this kind of stuff. They don't look in there, you know. A spokesman for the Department of Health said they had not read the American report, but added that MMR remains the best form of protection against measles, mumps, and rubella. So there's the official answer to it, you see, because it's big, big cash. And they're not going to change that uh, because so many end up with autism or bowel disease for their whole darn life. Ain't going to happen. Now, there's a caller on the line. It's Mark from Wisconsin. Are you there, Mark? I'll see if we can get you in here. Yeah, hey, uh, over here in the state, the insurance company just came out and said that they want to charge extra premiums for people who don't take vaccines. Apparently, if you don't get the poison, they're not making the kind of money that they uh, want to make on everybody. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, uh, insurance companies and uh, all these big organizations, big big banks and all the rest of it, big pharma, uh, if, you tr- if you could possibly trace all these companies to, through all the different fronts that they have, so going through the Cayman Islands trying to trace dirty money, uh, you'll find they're all owned by the same peoples, you know. And insurance companies, actually it was Jack's, uh, Jack's Atali who, who wrote some, a brief the history of the future, he said that uh, insurance companies will be the way that the world will be run in, in, in the future, next 10, 20 years. Uh, everything will be privatized. Insurance companies will dictate policies, even for hospitals and everything else. And they're already doing it for houses. They can, they can tell you if they'll insure you. If, if you have a, a, say, a, they're burning anything except the authorized oil for heating. If you're using a wood stove, they won't insure you. You see? Stuff like that. So, so they have more power. Yeah. Isn't it funny how all the insurance companies have Masonic symbols on their uh, their titles and all that? Oh, it's not funny. It's just them. Have, it's just them giving us the finger uh, because, of course, they are. They're all connected into the same old system that's run the world for such a long time. I, I watch the trains go by here uh, often, and uh, of course, they all come from China, Hansung, and, and all this kind of stuff. And on the carriages, because it's not passengers, so this is from coast to coast, this this train, uh, Canadian National and the Pacific. And um, you'll see all, every company name uh, that uses their their big, uh, for cargo, their big uh, carriages, uh, they all have the Masonic symbols all over them, every single one from every country. So quite right. But thanks for calling. Back with more after this. Hi, folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And to say, all, all these containers that, that, that come off the ships from, from wherever the ports are uh, and be seen elsewhere uh, from China uh, are all owned by different groups all over the world, and they all have Masonic symbolism on them, every single one of them. And it's, it's quite something to watch. Now, is Britain really is the first to show the way for the rest of the European countries to show the way that eventually there will be no countries at all. You'll just be regions under the EU Parliament. That is the plan, of course. They're amalgamating the, the, the forces now. It says, UK news, French want British and German armies to unite, it says. This is the next step. 
So France wants Britain to join with Germany to form a military partnership in which all three will share equipment and troops. Actually, they'll share officers too. And it'll see, it could see the Germans join an expeditionary force set up as part of the Anglo-French Defence Pact in November, as well as all three sharing transport aircraft and air refueling tankers. This is the start of the total integration. They've already have a, a kind of army formed already where they take part as the EU army and and so on. So it's just ongoing step by step towards this. They've got all the time in the world to, to complete their missions and their agendas and manifestos. And of course, we just have to suffer all through it. At least the ones that are awake. If you, if you, if you, if you're not awake, then you say ignorance is bliss, and it's so it's so true, isn't it? You can just play and follow your indoctrination from television, and who's going to bother you? Goldman Sachs has said that one of the biggest players in this, it's amazing the Sachs family, because you can go into them from, from Holland and Germany and elsewhere. And uh, Roosevelt himself was uh, related to Sachs, you know, the big banking boy. It's, it's all in the family, isn't it? And it says Goldman Sachs uh, CEO Lloyd Blankfield Goldman uh, um, it says they set aside $15.3 billion uh, to pay its staff in 2010. This is this for the city of London. An average of $430,000 each in a move that reignites the controversy over city pay and bonuses at a time when youth unemployment is hitting record highs in the UK, I'll add that in closing all the hospitals down. The best known of all the Wall Street firms did not attempt to show the restraint of last year when it reduced the amount being paid into its bonus pool in the fourth quarter of 2009 to make 500 million public nation to a charitable foundation, their own charitable foundation, Goldman Sachs Gives, it's called. And, of course, Goldman, Goldman Sachs gives, no doubt, will lobby government to get things that Goldman Sachs wants. I mean, beautiful con, eh? Tax write-off, too. Anyway, it says that the bank set aside, blah, blah, all this cash and so on, regardless that, that they actually claim that they made less money this year uh, than other times. And um, another article, too, is to do what I've said for years. Now they're blaming the older folk in Britain because the, the aging population is put in Britain under unsustainable pressure. And who says this? Well, listen, it comes from the Budget Responsibility Office. I mean, this is a country that's never balanced anything. In fact, it's very unbalanced. And, and here they are. Uh, saying that the aging population, it wasn't the banks that, that, that did them under, it wasn't joining the EU Parliament and paying for two parliaments now, and, and, and the, the EU one, as I say, is a big black hole, just sucks everything into it, all the cash. It was nothing to do with that, and then bailing the banks out, and all the rest of it. No, it's older folk, you see, it's, going to, it's just unsustainable, and that's the term they're using, by the way, unsustainable. See, you've been trained step by step, all along with the greenies and the media and so on, the old folk are unsustainable. Maybe Bear should turn them into soiling green and sell them back to the public and make a profit. Eh? That will come down the road one day when they say it's well, it's, it's scientifically cleansed this stuff, and the proteins are the same as any other proteins, and they give you top scientists to to convince you of that, and, and then the ones who are more avant-garde, oh, I'll, I'll trust and scare me. They'll buy it first, and Oprah have it on, and away it goes. Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.